Good morning, everybody. It is good to see you. And um, if I haven't met you, my name is Rob. I am the, the lead pastor here at Citizens Church, and we are a brand new church um, here in the Westville area. I say brand new, but maybe brand is a little too strong. We're new. We, we started in December. And so we're continuously figuring things out. And there are going to be times where we take two steps forward and one step back. There are going to be times where we fall flat on our face and it's going to be embarrassing. But by God's grace, we will continue to learn how to walk together as a body. And I say all that because we're going to start adding something to the front end of the sermon. So on the back of your bulletin, there is at the bottom portion, a bottom part of the page, there's a portion that says, we believe in. And each week, this is taken from our statement of faith. And so we want to be a people who say what we mean and mean what we say. And so I'm going to read the bottom portion there of our statement of faith, and then we will jump into the sermon. So this week it comes from the section of our statement of faith that's on repentance and faith. We believe repentance and faith are sacred duties as well as inseparable graces. They are produced in our souls by the regenerating Spirit of God, who convinces us of our guilt, danger, helplessness, and the way of salvation by Christ. And they consist of turning to God with genuine sorrow, confession, and a petition for mercy, receiving heartily the Lord Jesus Christ as prophet, priest, and king, and relying on Him alone as the only and all-sufficient Savior. Now, this is something that would typically go in a membership class. And Lord willing, when we have our own space, we don't have to set up and tear down, we'll be able to have membership classes where we can march through our statement of faith. But this is simply by the providence of God. I, each week, go in when I'm doing the bulletin, and I pull the very next phrase, or the very next section of our statement of faith, and put it in there. So each week there's a new one, and we can just continuously work through our statement of faith. Now, this, just by the providence of God, talks about repentance and faith and depending on Christ for mercy and relying on him entirely and relying on Christ alone. And it goes right with our passage today. We see the blind man calling out for mercy. So praise God, totally him orchestrating that, not my smart ability or anything toward those ends. So a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to New Zealand, and I was stoked. Danielle and I got to go over to Australia and New Zealand, and I was super excited for this trip. Supposed to be one of the most beautiful places in the world, so I'm looking at all kinds of pictures, places for us to to visit, very excited about it. And there's even this um, portion on the north part of the island called Hobbiton. So for those of you who are Lord of the Rings fans, it's where the Shire was shot. So very excited to, to check that out as well. And so looking at pictures, very excited for this trip. We get there, and I'm not kidding. You, you think about the things that you look at pictures of, and it blows you away when you're actually in person. That was this trip. New Zealand is far more beautiful than what the pictures even allowed for. There are far more sheep than the pictures allowed for. And the, the Hobbiton area, was way cooler than what I had expected. I thought looking at a movie set might be kind of cool. It was amazing. Spoiler alert, as we're going through the Hobbit's places where you open the door, there's actually nothing behind those doors. 
So if you were excited to check that place out and see Hobbit House, you will not see it. It's one thing to know of something. It's another thing to set eyes on it yourself. And it was absolutely incredible for us to set eyes on New Zealand and for us to set eyes on Hobbiton. But in the same way, it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to set eyes on him, spiritually speaking, for yourself. One person said regarding our site that our site is the most perfect and most delightful of all of our senses. The most perfect and most delightful of all of our senses. And many of you like backpacking. I, too, like backpacking. And one of the most satisfying things after hiking with 40 pounds on your back and feeling like you're foolish for even going on this endeavor is once you get to the top of the mountain to be able to look out and see the beauty of the area that you just traversed. Our eyesight is a beautiful thing. But if that's true of our physical sight, how much more so our spiritual sight? And to this morning, we see that Jesus mercifully gives spiritual sight to those who call on him. This morning, he gives spiritual sight to those who call on him. And this passage, commentators will point out that this passage is one of the clearest examples of discipleship in all of the Bible. This passage that we're in this morning. We've been going through Mark. We've gone through passage by passage, and we've talked about how the common theme that we see is Jesus restoring his wayward people. Mark is writing to Gentile converts in the Rome area, the Roman area. And these converts, because they've turned to Christ, they're now being persecuted for their faith by Emperor Nero. And we now come to this chapter, chapter 10, where we have seen Jesus get very specific with what discipleship looks like. We saw that he talked on marriage, and then he talked on children, and then he talked about how you handle your wealth and your material possessions and where your treasure is, and then he talked about our attitude towards serving others. We went through that last week. Now this week, we see the culmination, and it's this passage, the, one of the clearest examples of discipleship in all of Scripture that we find ourselves in this morning. So in your bulletin, you'll see that there are two points You see a blind man begging and a healed man following. You can see that just on the next page, and we're going to go through that. But before we do, let's pray. Father, it is a gift to gather. It's a gift to be able to look at your word, especially this passage. We pray that you would make clear to us what your word says, that we would clearly see what discipleship is through Bartimaeus, that we'd see the call in our lives, and that by your grace you would enable us to follow you the way that Bartimaeus does. God, we pray that we would be shown to be a faithful outpost of the gospel this morning as we gather around the gospel. Help us to proclaim that faithfully. And Lord, we pray for other churches that are doing that this morning as well. Think of Salt and Light Church. Lord, give them wisdom as they go through transition there and they try to figure out what next steps are. Help them to be a faithful gospel witness 
even during this difficult season. Lord, we pray for Providence Church. We thank you for the brothers and sisters that have locked arms with us here in Westerville. Thank you for other gospel-centered churches. Thank you for Summit Baptist Church, our sending church in Pataskala. God, we ask for your blessing on them, that they would continue to see baptisms. Lord, excited to see what's going on there. We pray that there would continue to be fruit. Lord, we also pray for the churches in Afghanistan. Even now, as they fear for their lives, as the Taliban has taken control, Lord, we do pray that you would provide for them, that you would provide them with physical necessities, things like food and water and shelter, as many of them have had to flee their homes. God, we pray that you would provide them with peace, with comfort in their hearts, knowing that whatever's going on in the world, as long as they are right with you, then they can have peace. Lord, we pray they would have that kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, now especially. We pray for their protection, that you would physically keep them safe, that you would embolden them in their faith, Lord, that they would not fall away from the faith, but they would be bold to the end, even if that means their death. God, we pray for their faith to be emboldened. Lord, those that are trying to get out of the country, we ask that you would grant them a way to get out. And God, we pray, as we think of them, as we think of these other churches, as we think of us, that we would be faithful disciples. That as we go from here, your word would continue to dwell richly in us and that we would walk faithfully as followers of Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us as we go through this passage. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the first point in your bulletin is a blind man begging. So we see Jesus, the disciples, the crowd They are making their way toward Jerusalem. It's part of the reason why Jesus has been more explicit in his teaching regarding discipleship. He knows that pretty soon he's he's not going to be there physically, and he wants his disciples to know what it means to be a faithful follower of him when they can't physically see him. So that's why some of this teaching has gotten more intense and more pointed. And Jesus and his disciples, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and they stop at Jericho. Now, this is not the Old Testament Jericho that you see in Judges 6, but this is, this is a different Jericho. It's a New Testament Jericho a few miles away. But at, right at the gate, we see a man named Bartimaeus. And this man, Bartimaeus, we're told is a blind beggar. So he's very likely a staple in that society where he is outside of the gate, anyone coming into the city, anyone going out, he has the opportunity to ask for money. He's entirely dependent on other people providing him with some money or with some food so that he can survive. We often see people as you're coming off of 71 at the Polaris exit, there's a lot of traffic there. So you'll oftentimes see somebody with a sign asking for some funds. And so in the same way, Bartimaeus is in a high traffic area on the outside at the gate of Jericho, and he is a beggar. He's a staple in the community. Now, something to notice is that Bartimaeus, of all the healing narratives in the Synoptic Gospels, Bartimaeus is the only one given a name. No other healing is provided a name in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, commentators ask, why why would that be? 
They say it's likely because as John Mark is writing to these uh, Roman believers, they probably know this guy. And so they're saying, hey, you remember Bartimaeus? This is his story. Whereas before they would never know, and so he doesn't provide the name, but now he gives a name. So it's a testament to Bartimaeus likely continued on in the faith. And these Roman believers may have even ran into him. Said, oh, Bart- I know Barty. He's a follower of Jesus. We meet every first day of the week. This is great. So very likely Bartimaeus continued on in the faith. Now something to note about his name is that his name, Bartimaeus, literally means son of Timaeus. Now Mark's not writing to Jewish readers, Jewish listeners, Jewish audience, so he explains this. He says, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. Now, Bar means son. So we see in the Gospels, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon's son of Jonah. Bar-Timaeus is the son of Timaeus. And so he explains that this man is on the outside of the city. He is not on the inside. He's an outsider who is entirely dependent on others for life. And this, this passage right here is the second time that we see a healing of a blind man. So the first time is in chapter 8, starting in verse 22. And that, along with this, serve as bookends to the primary teaching that's in the middle that Jesus is getting at, where we see in chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, Jesus each time describes his death, burial, and resurrection to the disciples. So it starts off with this healing, and then it's followed by the first um, time Jesus explains to his gospels that he's going to die, that he's going to be buried, he's going to be resurrected. And then we see it again in chapter 9, we see it again in chapter 10, and then we see close here with another healing of a blind man. So we see blind, blind, primary teaching that Jesus is going to be crucified, he's going to suffer, and he's going to die, and he's going to be raised again. And throughout that, that main teaching, we see Jesus getting very explicit with what discipleship looks like. So there's an intentional structure to the way that this is set up. One of the best pieces of advice that I got in one of my New Testament classes from from seminary was a professor saying, always, whenever you read the Gospels, always ask, why is this passage placed here? Because the way that they wrote was not similar to the way that us in the West write. We write, this happened first, so I'll write this first. This happened second, so I'll write this second. We go chronologically. They're trying to make a theological point in the way that they're writing. So there's, you'll notice that in some Gospels, healing of a blind person might be toward the beginning. Others might be toward the end. They're not trying to make a chronological point. They're trying to make a theological point. Why are these things placed here? So as you read your New Testament, as you read the Gospels, ask yourself, why would this passage, why would John Mark place this right here? Look at the passages around it. It'll just help you better understand the main point that's being driven home. And the main point here is that the, the disciples are spiritually blind. On the front end, we see healing of a blind man, almost indicating that th- what's going to be taught here after this is going to be me spiritually healing you so that you can see what my ministry is and what's going to happen and what being a follower of me looks like. It's what Jesus is telling to his disciples. And then on the back end, we see another healing of a blind man saying, now you should see. So it indicates it and then it concludes it. And we see the teaching 
in between. The Pillar New Testament commentary said these two stories, these two teachings of blind man, blind man being healed, serve as literary bookends surrounding the three major predictions of Jesus' death and resurrection, as well as the major instructions on discipleship. The disciples' blindness regarding the true mission of Jesus is thus also being emphasized, but as Jesus teaches them, he is healing this spiritual blindness as well. So these passages serve as bookends, and we're now on the second end of that bookend, the conclusion. So this man, back to this man, Bartimaeus, right? He cries out to Jesus. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now that phrase, son of David, is very significant. It's the first time in this entire book of Mark that it's used, and it bears a lot of weight. What it is, is it's Mark making the point that Jesus is, in fact, the promised son of David that will rule on the, on, on the throne for all eternity. And this blind man recognizes that. There's a little bit of an irony there where this blind man recognizes Jesus better than those with two eyes that can see. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He is the promised Messiah. And Bartimaeus does two things in this. One, he acknowledges his current state and his current need. He recognizes that he is a blind beggar. He recognizes that he is in need of mercy. And the second thing is that he depends entirely on Jesus for that healing. He acknowledges his current state. And he depends entirely on Jesus. Starting to see a clear picture of discipleship. And so as he cries out, they rebuke him. They say, don't, just just be quiet. This man, Jesus, he's he's very significant. You're a blind beggar. Don't, Don't bother this man. But he cries out, all the more. Jesus is popular. Bartimaeus is insignificant. He's an outsider. He's marginalized. Jesus has a crowd of people around him. He's got his disciples. He's got a crowd following him, even to his persecution, even heading to the cross, as he's told them. They're still, they, they want to be around Jesus, and he's very important to this crowd. Bartimaeus has no one. And so when Bartimaeus cries out, the crowd says, We're on a mission. Just stop. Stop. Don't bother him. We're heading somewhere. But, like a stubborn child, he cries out even louder. This morning we were trying to get Finley to go, and she's got a tea set, and it's buckled up, and we said, Finley, don't open that. Don't open it. And she's holding it. She's got her hand on it. She looks at Danielle. She looks at me. She looks at Danielle, and I, I walk away to take care of something, and I hear Danielle say, Finley. She had twisted it, opened it, and we had to clean it up. Stubborn child. <laughs> this man, Bartimaeus, like a stubborn child, they tell him to be quiet. He cries out even louder. Jesus, 
Son of David, have mercy on me. And this morning, something for us to recognize is that in our fallen state, we too are blind beggars. We are blind beggars seeking healing, in need of healing, in need of mercy. We too, like Bartimaeus, are outsiders in need of acceptance. The question is, where do we go for that? Where do we go for spiritual healing? Where do we go for mercy? Where do we go for acceptance? We all go somewhere. The question is, where? And Christian, this morning, I would encourage you to continually go to Jesus. You'll be tempted to go elsewhere. I encourage you, continue to go to Jesus. Continue to return to your Savior. But also, have Jesus' heart toward the outsider, toward the marginalized. We're getting ready to see Jesus' response. And as we do, consider how we can have a similar response to the outsider and to the marginalized, to those that society would cast off. And as I talk to Christians, maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering if that's you. Maybe you think that it might not be you. If that is the case, thrilled that you're here. Hope that you continue to come back and hear the gospel. But the question that I have is, have you acknowledged your need for reconciliation with God, your need to be accepted to God? And are you depending on anything other than Jesus? Bartimaeus had depended on others his entire life. In order for him to get his own, to even get a meal, he needed others. Today, for those who are unable to see, there are systems and there are programs and there are devices to help them, guide dogs, electronic sticks to help them get from point A to point B without running into any kind of danger. That wasn't the case here. He's entirely dependent on others, even for his next meal. So if you are not a Christian this morning, who are you depending on? What are you depending on? And then if you're hurting this morning, potentially you feel like an outsider or marginalized, or potentially you feel like you need healing in some sense, I would encourage you to cry out louder. Jesus will hear you. Jesus recognizes your need. He has not forgotten you. He sees you. Call on Jesus. If you call on Jesus, he will hear you. And then church, together, let's encourage one another to, to go to Jesus. One of the ways that we do this is by hanging out afterwards and just having conversations with each other to see how we're doing, ways that we can pray for one another. Another way that we do this shameless plug is through community groups, have opportunities to pray for one another. It's built into our time there midweek. I encourage you, if you're not part of that, sign up for a community group. They start not next week or not this week, but the following week. There'll be more information about that later. That wasn't part of this, but there you go. But we see a blind beggar, and now, as this blind beggar continues to beg, we get to see Jesus' response, which takes that blind beggar to a healed man. You see that in your second point here. So Jesus stops. Bartimaeus has been calling to him. He calls him, and he's rebuked, and he calls even louder. And Jesus, with the crowd around him, 
stops. And this moment, just try to, try to imagine Bartimaeus here, this moment where he's calling out to Jesus, son of David, Jesus, the Messiah. Imagine this moment, Bartimaeus recognizing in some way, maybe the, he feels the crowd stop moving as much, but Jesus stops. And can you imagine this moment? Because the way that Jesus responds to this moment is going to change Bartimaeus' future forever. If he stops and continues on, then Bartimaeus loses his hope. But if he stops and he answers Bartimaeus' call, then Bartimaeus' life is going to look very different. So in this moment, everything hangs on this moment when Jesus stops, and the text tells us that he says, call him. He stops and says, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. So this crowd that was rebuking him for calling out to Jesus is now saying, hey, take heart. Get up, take heart, he's calling you. Two responses. Two responses to Jesus calling this man. You see, one, the crowd tells him to take heart. And two, the crowd calls him to get up. This morning, as followers of Jesus, we should be reminded of those two things as well. Take heart. If you are a follower of Jesus, take heart. Your healing has already happened. It is finished. Be reminded of the gospel. That Christ paid the penalty for you. You were separated from God because of your sin, but Christ bridged that gap. He paid for your sin. He gave you his righteousness. Your healing is finished. Take heart. Then also get up. Because we're not called to a passive faith. We're called to get up and to go, to pursue righteousness. So this man is told to take heart. And he's told to get up. And how does he respond? We read, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. He wasn't, okay, guys, hold on a second. Let me, let me get my bag and get all my stuff gathered around. And I've got my little camping area right here. Let me pick all that up. And, no, he, he sprang up and he threw off his cloak. Anything that might hinder him, he took off so he could pursue Jesus as quickly as possible. Matthew Henry said he cast away everything that might be in danger of throwing him down or might in any way hinder him in coming to Christ. Cast away his outer cloak, his heavy cloak, so that he could run to Jesus more quickly. And then Jesus says this to him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? He gets to Jesus and he has Jesus' ear And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, this sounds familiar, right? He just just asked that very same thing in verse 36 to James and John. And their request was, let us sit at your right hand and your left in your glory. They were trying to use Jesus to gain status. Now, this blind man is given the very same question. Remember, this, this Bartimaeus is a model for discipleship. And so the disciples ones who are closest to Jesus are asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? Remember, James and John were within his inner three. Jesus had his three, and then he had his 12. And so these, James and John, they are especially close to Jesus. And when he asks, 
what do you want me to do for you? They seek status. They try to use Jesus to get it. And then this blind man, who can't even see what Jesus looks like, is asked the very same thing, and he seeks mercy. He doesn't seek status. He doesn't ask for wealth. He simply asks for mercy. He asks for eyes that can see. This morning, we have all kinds of needs that are in this congregation and that are outside of it. Where are we going? Where are we going for those needs? Are we going to Christ? Are we starting with Christ? There are physical needs that we can, that we can meet. We want to be missionally engaged. Again, if you, as a follower of Jesus, being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, are near someone who is far from God, but they're near to you, they are no longer far from God. And so we have the opportunity to go into the community to meet needs. But are we doing those things for our own status? To feel good, to build up our own resume before God? God, look how much I've done for you. Or are we doing it for his glory? So that others can experience the mercy of God. So let's first go to Jesus. And then let's take this good news to the marginalized, and to the outsider. And Jesus responds to this man. He says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Notice that Jesus says, your faith has made you well. He doesn't say how quickly you came. He doesn't say the fact that you've been sitting out here for years. You deserve it. He says, your faith has made you well. This morning, if you're looking for spiritual healing, if you want to be reconciled with God, it comes through faith alone, not through your church attendance. We think church attendance is important, not through your service. We think service is important, not through if you're in a community group or not. I think that's important, but that is not what brings spiritual healing. Faith alone reconciles you to God. And part of Maus, you would think this blind man He's been outside of the city of Jericho, right? So he's probably heard a lot about the things that go on in Jericho, but he hasn't been able to see any of it. I told you, I, I, we had heard a lot about New Zealand, and we were stoked to see it. Bartimaeus has probably heard a lot about Jericho, and he finally gets his sight. You would think, oh, I want to I go see some of the things that people are talking about. I want to go see the marketplace. I want to go see this. I want to go see that. That's not how he responds. He responds immediately by following Jesus. He followed Jesus on the way to suffering and to persecution when he could have gone on a great tour around the city. Or he could have gone out and say, I'm going to go spend a couple weeks just, just seeing what I've missed my whole life. He says, no, nah, I want to follow Jesus. So he follows him. And our response to salvation, our response to Embracing the gospel, our response to Christ should always be to follow him. If you are in Christ, you are considered a follower of Jesus, and followers of Jesus follow Jesus. You should respond by following him. And notice that he started, at the beginning of the text, we see that he started by the roadside. He was an outsider, and now we see that he is on the way. He is on the road as an insider. So Bartimaeus, we see here, is a model 
disciple. He was blind. He was an outsider. He was dependent on others. He was in need of mercy and healing, and he was sitting there idle. He was all of those things. And then he has an encounter with Jesus. And now, rather than being blind, he has eyes that see. Rather than being an outsider, he's an insider. Rather than being dependent on others, he's dependent on Jesus. And rather than needing mercy and healing, he has received mercy and healing. And rather than sitting idle, he is now, he has sprung up and he is following Jesus. There's a radical difference between Bartimaeus pre-Jesus and Bartimaeus after Jesus. In the same way, there should be a difference between us pre-Jesus and us after Jesus. doesn't mean that you're not going to sin. You're going to fall. That's why our service is the way that it is. We confess our sin. We recognize that this week we've, we've fallen. And right after that, we have an assurance of grace to be assured to take heart, as Bartimaeus is having to, to take heart here. We as a people, we're a forgetful people. We need to take heart. We need to be reminded of the gospel, but not just on a, on a weekly basis. We want to do that when we gather here. We need to be reminded on a daily basis. Continue to remind yourself. You have to preach to yourself every day what the gospel is, that I've been forgiven, that it is finished through Christ and through Christ alone. And that comes not through my work, but through the work that has been done. And through faith alone in that work. For those of you who are uh, fans of Will Smith, the actor, he, he had a, a run there toward the mid to late 2000s where he had some really great movies. I Am Legend, Pursuit of Happiness, Seven Pounds. And I, I'm a fan of Seven Pounds. How many people have seen Seven Pounds? Okay, so you're, most people in here are pretty familiar with the movie. So the main character... It's played by Will Smith, and his name is Ben Thomas. And this man, Ben Thomas, wants to help seven people. He made a mistake, cost seven people their lives, and so now he wants to help seven people. And so he's going to give seven people a heart, a kidney, bone marrow, his house, eyes, his liver, and his lungs. Won't give the whole movie away, but he tests each of these individuals. For instance, there was a blind man. He wanted to test this blind man. And this blind man worked as a telemarketer. He worked in a call center in customer service. And this man, Ben Thomas, called and just berated him. Absolutely berated him. Said horrible things to this blind man to test him, to see if he would snap. And he doesn't snap. And Will Smith, playing Ben Thomas, hangs up the phone, and he's angry because he got himself into this anger trying to get the blind man to snap. And he comes to, and he puts his hands over his mouth, and he's horrified at the things that he just said to this man. And he calls someone else, and he starts asking about them. He starts asking about this other person who needs bone marrow. And he's on the phone, and he's asking somebody who knows the person who needs the bone marrow, He's having this conversation with them. He says, I'm trying to figure out what kind of man Stuart Goodman is. It is within my power to drastically change his circumstances, but I don't want to give that man a gift that he doesn't deserve. I need you to tell me whether or not he's a good person. 
I need you to tell me whether or not he's a good person. I don't want to give him a gift. I don't want to give that man a gift that he doesn't deserve. That's what he's telling this person. And as the conversation goes on, he comes to find out that this Stuart Goodman is not a good person. And so he has to find someone else to give the bone marrow to. This morning, I want to assure you that the offer that Jesus puts on the table of mercy and forgiveness and healing is not contingent on you being a good person. You are not. Spoiler alert. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners in need of redemption. None of us are good, but there is a good one. There is one who has lived a perfectly good life. His name is Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. He has lived a perfectly righteous life and earned all of the rewards that come with that righteousness. Perfect union with God. Relationship with Him. To enjoy all of the rewards that come with faithfulness that are promised throughout Scripture. Then He, on the cross takes our sin and he gets all that he doesn't deserve. All of the punishment of those who would call on him. So that if you call on Jesus, you will receive this gift, this mercy. Mercy is not receiving what you deserve. Punishment, judgment, wrath from God. And grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Righteousness of God communion with God. And this morning, if you would turn to Jesus for the healing of your soul, if you would ask him for eyes to see, if you would follow him along the way of discipleship, you will be healed. And it's not contingent on whether or not you're a good person. It's contingent on if you are putting your faith in the one who is a good person, in Jesus Christ, perfectly God and perfectly man, representing both, so that on the cross, he can represent man's sin and he can represent God's righteousness. And there can be a great exchange between the one who calls on him for salvation. They can receive his righteousness and he takes their sin. That is true for anyone this morning who would call on him in the same way that Bartimaeus did by depending entirely on Jesus for healing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this picture of discipleship. Thank you for Bartimaeus. Lord, thank you for making him blind so that we can have such a vivid picture of what it looks like to truly see. Thank you for offering mercy, for offering healing despite our sin, despite our fallenness, despite our rebellion against you. Lord, we pray that we, like Bartimaeus, would spring up, that we would run to Jesus, and that although there would be opportunity to go after other things, that our greatest desire, no matter what the results would be, our greatest desire would be to follow Jesus on the way. On the way to dying to self. Help us to do that in the same way that Bartimaeus did. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.